here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You want to know why we're not going after the cartels in Mexico, America? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the Democrats are so invested in not investing in the United States military, and the proper use, I repeat, the proper use of law enforcement that they're not sure that we can successfully go after the cartels in Mexico, plus do what we're doing to prepare, at least somewhat, for China, Iran, support Ukraine. And if we don't muscle up our military and muscle it up quickly, well, I fear what's going to happen to your children and grandchildren, quite frankly. But there's news that broke less than an hour ago. Not one of these breaking news things that that are used to get ratings. There's actual news. And it is from foxnews.com, Kelly Locko. Nine boxes of Biden documents were taken from the Boston office. What's that mean? The archives has not previously publicly disclosed the number of boxes taken from Boston... Nine boxes of documents were taken from Biden's attorney, Patrick Moore's Boston office, but have yet to be reviewed, the National Archives disclosed in a response letter to Senators Ron Johnson, thank God that man got reelected, and Chuck Grassley this week, first obtained by Fox News Digital. The archives had not previously publicly disclosed the number of boxes taken from Boston, it had been reported that Moore had shipped boxes of documents from the Penn-Biden Center to his Boston office before discovering the initial trove of classified documents at the Washington, D.C.-based think tank. You got that? Before. Before discovering the initial trove of classified documents, these nine boxes had been sent to Biden's lawyer in Boston. In response to questions by Johnson and Grassley in a February 24 letter, 
asking how and when the archives learned that records were transported to Boston. Acting Archivist of the United States, Deborah Steidal Wall, responded the agency learned about it on November 3, 2022. Now, this is a big deal. Now, why is this a big deal? Donald Trump didn't move boxes all over the place. Maybe there was a document here or there, something like that. But Joe Biden had no right at all to have any of these documents as vice president of the United States. He's not the leader of the executive branch. But nine boxes were moved to Boston. What kind of security did they have in the in the law firm's office? Why were they moved to Boston? You'll notice you're not hearing any questions from Maggot Haberman. Jeremy and his Peters. Philip and his bump, you're not hearing anything from these really great journalists that we have in America or these these big-time corporate newspapers. Why is that? This raises a zillion questions. When the National Archives and Records Administration contacted Biden's personal counsel November 3, 2022, to arrange to pick up boxes from the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C., they informed NARA that Mr. Moore had moved other boxes from the Penn Biden Center to Mr. Moore's law firm in Boston, the letter states. In addition, the archives notified the Department of Justice's Office of Inspector General on November 4th that the documents had been moved. The documents were then picked up on November 9 and were secured in the JFK Presidential Library in Boston. Why? The National Archives staff retrieved nine boxes from Mr. Moore's Boston office, which had not been previously known. Despite having possession of the documents since November, the Archives has not yet reviewed the box's content to determine whether additional classified materials are inside. NARA has not reviewed the contents of the boxes found at Mr. Moore's Boston office. Well, which was it? At the JFK Library or Mr. Moore's Boston office. Where were they? Fox News previously reported that FBI agents searched the Penn Biden Center offices in mid-November after Biden's personal attorneys discovered a handful of documents with classified markings that, on November 2nd. The Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. Oh, yeah, right. In other words, Heather washed through communist money to the Bidens. There's a think tank in Washington. Biden used the sixth-floor office space there between 2017 and 2019, during which time he was an honorary professor and received about $900,000 for giving roughly a dozen lectures and talks. You believe that, Mr. Producer? $900,000. Obviously, it was a payoff. A dozen lectures and talks. Is this a joke? Additional classified documents were found by Biden's attorneys in his Wilmington, Delaware house, next to his garage, and in his garage. Six items with classification markings were seized after the DOJ searched his home. So why weren't the prosecutors as excited about going after Biden as they were going after Trump? I think it's fairly obvious. You have boxes of documents that were removed. Now, Forget about classification. Let's put that aside, at least for now. We have the Presidential Records Act. 
Now, what's the Presidential Records Act? Well, the Presidential Records Act means any document belongs to the government. Right? Any government belongs to the any document belongs to the government. So to move nine boxes to your attorney and then put it in the JFK library, even though the recitation here is somewhat uh, inconsistent and illogical, this is rather remarkable. And keep in mind, they didn't use the FBI to search various locations until well into January. January. Once the information came out. Nor was there any effort to appoint a special counsel. Even though this occurred before Attorney General Meritless Garland appointed a special counsel in the case of Donald Trump. Now, this is really shocking to me. And it's very important that it's finally come out. It looks like the National Archives sat on it. If it wasn't for Senators Johnson and Grassley who have been dogged about this, we wouldn't even know about it. What's Mitch McConnell going to do about this? What's John Cornyn going to do about this? What's John Thune going to do about this? Just wring their hands? They should be on the floor of the Senate jumping up and down. You had nine boxes removed by Biden's lawyer to Biden's office. Let's, let's go with that one. Why? And this is before the classified documents were found. I'll tell you why. Because they saw what was happening to Trump. And the lawyer wanted to look at these nine boxes for a reason that we don't know yet. What's in those nine boxes? What's in the thousands of documents, the millions of documents, the thousands of boxes of documents at the University of Delaware? What is it? They're so laxed about this, are they not? We don't even hear from the special counsel. There's leaks left and right from the, from Jack the Ripper Smith, the phony special counsel in the Trump case, the rogue prosecutor. We don't hear anything about the Biden investigation, do we? The reason why all this happened, it took time and all, is because Meritless Garland was covering up for Biden. But this is the... Headline, nine boxes of Biden documents were taken from the Boston office by the archives, not previously publicly disclosed the number of boxes taken from Boston. We have this clown who is the spokes idiot for the idiot president who just lies to us all the time by playing rope-a-dope. White House counsel has some answering to do. They misled the media. Do the media even care anymore? Surely Meritless Garland knew about these nine boxes. He's never said a word at any of his press conferences about any of it. It's like pulling teeth to get information about the Biden stuff from this government. Pretty remarkable, don't you think? So the nine boxes were taken from Biden's attorney, Patrick Moore's office, 
They've yet to be reviewed. The National Archives just disclosed this in a letter to Senators Johnson and Grassley. The Archives did not previously disclose the number of boxes taken from Boston. Uh, And uh, the media won't care. Except for Fox, which is why they're trying to destroy it, of course. This isn't reported by the Constipated News Network or MSLSD, the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, and the rest of the riffraff. No. No. So we have documents in multiple locations. We have documents that were shipped by Biden's Biden's lawyer's office. And they keep saying we can't comment on anything because it's under investigation. That's funny. Donald Trump comments about everything. But Joe Biden can't comment about anything. Have you noticed when it involves him, his brother, his son, uh, his corrupt business activities? The guy was paid $900,000. You know, that should be looked into. That's relevant. The guy's paid $900,000 for 12 speeches slash, slash talks over the course of two years. And I don't know if that's $9,000 a year. I think it is. I think that's what his so-called salary was, is the honorary whatever he was. And tens of millions of dollars were poured into this institution by the communist Chinese to fund it. Tens of millions of dollars are poured into the the Penn-Biden Center in Washington, D.C. Once Biden is attached to this operation. He receives at least 900000 probably twice, for 12 speeches or talks. Twelve. That's a lot, Mr. Producer. That's like $75,000 a speech or something, isn't it? And he probably just sat there, like he always does. And didn't have much to say. It didn't matter. And that was only one of the ways he made money. People were throwing money at this guy. Now he's come out and he says, well, maybe I should touch on this now. This is also in the uh, Washington Examiner by Zachary Halschak. Biden faces impossible budget math even with big tax hikes. And what he's basically saying here is what I discussed with you last night. These big tax hikes aren't going to fix a damn thing. Not a damn thing. The mismatch between spending and revenues. And uh, he's not even looking to balance the budget. Even though he talks about balancing the budget in 10 years, it'll never happen. But they talk about Medicare. He wants to make sure we increase payroll taxes for those earning more than $400,000 to fund Medicare benefits. And it would raise the Medicare tax rate for taxpayers earning an annual income of more than $400,000 from 3.8% to 5%. Well, why wouldn't everyone just do what Joe Biden did? With his two S corporations. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen? He and Dr. Biden set up two S corporations during the time he was in the private sector for about 14 minutes in order to avoid paying Medicare taxes and Obamacare taxes. 
to avoid paying that 3.8% that he now wants to raise to 5%. He wants to avoid, he, he acted to avoid that over a half a million dollars, perhaps up to $900,000 over a two-year period. How come they don't talk about this in any of the articles? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. Well, if you hadn't known, now you know that today is International Woman's Day. Uh, My wife said, this is an embarrassment to have such a day, and of course it is. But that said, how can you leftists celebrate International Woman's Day when you can't even define what a woman is? I mean, I'm sure Associate Justice to the Supreme Court, Justice Jackson is completely befuddled by this international recognition of women. Being the first African-American woman on the Supreme Court, she was befuddled by the word woman during her testimony. She needed a biologist. Well, all she has to do is go back to third grade in California to learn all about genitalia, what you do with genitalia, if you want to change your genitalia and all the rest. But this should be withdrawn. This should be eliminated. There is no such thing as a woman. International Woman's Day should be eliminated. No question about it. I'll be right back. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. 
Call in now, 877-381-3811. Senator Tom Cotton, how are you, my friend? Hey, Mark, it's good to be back on with you. I can call you my friend, can't I? I consider you a friend anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, here's the thing. You put out a press release, and it caused me to follow up here. There's this group called the Movement for Quality Government. It's supposed to be a nonprofit Israeli group, one of these phony NGOs. And since 2020, reports uh, Free Beacon, Adam Credo, uh, the United States State Department has put in $38,000, and God knows what else they've done with this group. And this group is doing everything it can to overthrow the Netanyahu administration, to cause violent, you know, disobedience in, uh, domestically in Israel, attack the judicial reforms Netanyahu is proposing. Why in the hell are we funding this? That is a great question, Mark. Why are we funding any NGOs in a country like Israel that claim to be, quote-unquote, promoting democracy? Israel is a very healthy, robust democracy. This is not Burma. This is not hurricane or tsunami relief for a country like Indonesia. We should not be sending American tax dollars to advanced industrial democracies to support their charities. They don't send them here to support ours. We shouldn't be sending it there. That's a very different thing from, say, supporting Israel's military with defense aid. That's my first point. The second point is it's not surprising that Biden's State Department is doing this because Democrats have been trying to beat Benjamin Netanyahu for more than a quarter century. In 1996, by his own admission, Bill Clinton uh, put a finger on the scale for Shimon Perez, held meetings with him leading up to the election, dispatched his top campaign team, Jim, James Carville and Stan Greenberg and the rest. BB still beat them, though. Uh, now, three years later, uh, with the help of Clinton, Ehud Barak was able to win that election. Now, BB was more of a victim of his own success by stopping the waves of terrorism that Oslo had unleashed uh, while he was prime minister. Um, but then he was back in power 10 years later, and you saw the same thing with the Obama administration, even worse. They also were funding some uh, NGOs in Israel that were designed to attack Benjamin Netanyahu and undermine his government, defeat him for re-election. And Barack Obama also sent his campaign team there to help uh Benjamin Netanyahu's then opponents. And the same that you get the same thing with Joe Biden, funding these NGOs, leaning on allies not to celebrate the Abraham Accords for elections, trying to thwart uh, BB from forming a coalition last fall. For more than a quarter century, Democrats have been trying to beat Benjamin Netanyahu. Fortunately for the people of Israel, fortunately for America's national security's interests, they almost always lose. And they're making an issue out of these judicial reforms, which are, which are very much like the way our country operates. And they're seizing on this, as well as uh, fools like Thomas Friedman at the New York Times. You might be familiar with the New York Times and some of these other entities. Um, again, in order to try and take down this sitting government... And it's, it's like the radicals in America, the radicals in Israel, they're doing everything they possibly can to overthrow Netanyahu's government when he's trying to face down the Iranians, which are days yeah. away from having a nuclear weapon. Does that make sense? It absolutely does not, Mark. Um, the thing about the judicial reform debate in Israel, Israelis are more than capable of handling that themselves. The Israeli people working through their elected representatives are perfectly able 
to debate and decide what kind of reforms, if any, they want to pursue. But here's what they can't do. They can't defeat Iran's nuclear program without America's help. They can't make peace with their Arab neighbors without America's help. They can't beat back the terrorists that threaten both Israel and America without America's help. So the Democrats should leave Israel's domestic affairs to Israelis. There's no need to meddle there. What we need to do is help Israel defeat our common enemies. And yet again, the Biden administration is not doing that. And this is frightening to me because if Iran gets nukes, uh, then that whole area of the world changes and they will blackmail us. They will make threats. It becomes incredibly complicated uh, on uh, on how we even deal with that part of the world. You have Saudi Arabia that's going to nuke up more more likely than not. Do you get the sense that this administration is working with Congress or anybody in the in the possible uh, possibility that that Israel says, look, we cannot tolerate this. We have to go in. Yeah, no, I don't, Mark, unfortunately. Um, You know, just look at the situation with North Korea. North Korea is a small, isolated country at the end of the world, a hermit kingdom. They have nuclear weapons. And look how that paralyzes the United States and South Korea and Japan and our policy towards North Korea. Contrast that with Iran, a, a large nation at the crossroads of humanity, an ancient civilization, which is run by uh, theocratic fanatics dedicated to Israel's destruction and America's destruction. You say the consequences of Iran having a nuclear umbrella are so grave for America and for Israel, for their Arab neighbors, and for world stability and peace. Yet the Biden administration is largely sticking its head in the sand. They, They want to keep blaming Donald Trump. The facts of the matter are, Israel's progress towards, I'm sorry, Iran's progress towards nuclear breakout has happened almost entirely on Joe Biden's watch. You know, we just had our annual threat assessment hearing uh, today, Mark, at the Intelligence Committee. The one time we have a public hearing all year long. I pointed out that in their written threat assessment, they said that the, our intelligence agency said Iran has accelerated its nuclear program since their nuclear scientist, Mohsen Fakhrizada, was assassinated in November of 2020. And I just asked the director of national intelligence, really, uh, the assassination of Mohsen Fakhrizada, who richly deserved it, that's what did it in November of 2020? Was there anything else that happened in November of 2020 that may have caused mm-hmm. Iran to accelerate its nuclear program? And she acted clueless and said, well, it's the election of Joe Biden. Once Joe Biden. And by the way, elected, Senator, I have that clip um, <laughs> that I was going to play later, and I will play later because I thought it was so profound. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but I mean, all almost all of this has happened on Joe Biden's watch. Donald Trump left the nuclear deal in May of 2018. Iran did almost nothing until May of 2019 when they began to take a few incremental steps to violate the terms of that nuclear deal. In January of 2020, seven months later, we killed Qasem Soleimani, their terrorist mastermind, and they didn't do anything, anything until November of 2020 when it became clear that clueless, ideologue Joe Biden was going to become the president and he was going to rush to get back in the nuclear deal. Even today, even with Iran supplying Russia with missiles and drones to attack Ukraine, even with them making totally unreasonable demands, still trying to kill Mike Pompeo and John Bolton and others, the administration won't say that the nuclear deal with Iran is dead and never coming back because then they would be forced to acknowledge what uh, their next step would be, and they don't want to acknowledge that step because the only thing you can do is to crack down Iran even further and keep open the possibility of military action against those nuclear sites. I, I just feel we're not prepared 
for this to to support the Israelis in their effort. We're not prepared if China invades Taiwan. We're not building up our defenses, that is, our defense spending the way we should, you know, minus the woke stuff, obviously. Am I wrong about this? No, Mark, unfortunately, you're not wrong at all. Um, We certainly aren't taking the steps we need to help Israel be prepared. There are specific and concrete steps we could take to help Israel deter Iran from a nuclear breakout, whether it's providing certain kinds of aircraft or certain kinds of munitions. Um, In Taiwan, uh, what we need to do is what you alluded to on our own defenses, which is rapidly, rapidly build out our industrial base. We've had too much consolidation since the end of the Cold War. There are too few suppliers, both at the prime contractor level and at the subcontractor level. You know, Raytheon and Lockheed can't get ball bearings or gaskets or valves or chips or steel or aluminum. It doesn't matter how fast they can assemble these weapons. Um, But I've sat through so many meetings now over the last year where Pentagon officials are dislocating their shoulder, patting themselves on the back for getting the timeline for production of one of these weapons from, say, three or four years down to 18 months. Well, that's great, but it really shouldn't be two or three months. And it's going to take focused and intense leadership at the Pentagon to actually get past these bottlenecks. You know, Bob Gates did this in 2007. He came into a Pentagon that was still not focused on the immediate challenges right in front of it. And he had to move heaven and earth to get more mine-resistant vehicles and unmanned uh, surveillance drones to us in Iraq and Afghanistan. And he did it. But that's the kind of effort it takes. Uh, And it's critical. It's critical to deter the threat that we face in the Western Pacific from China. It's also critical to deter countries like Iran as well. And I know you've got to go, Senator, but finally, it's my impression that Blinken, who is extraordinarily weak, comes out of the Obama administration and worse, that he's basically calling the shots and nobody's really grabbing hold of the of the military side of things and taking charge and uh, and pushing hard to get the the kind of weaponry we need, the kind of uh, strategies that we need and so forth. I mean, under Reagan, we had over 600 ship navy now it's under 300 i can go down the list uh the percentage of the gdp has shrunk so considerably with respect to defense spending and meanwhile we have more than enough money more than enough debt and yearly deficits to redistribute wealth for every cockamamie idea the left has no well i guess we lost the senator i hope he's safe Sounded like he was in the car there. You'll try and get him back? All right. So that's my concern, America. These things aren't, oh, you're a war hawk. People who talk that way. Senator, you're still with us now? Hey, Mark. Yes, I know. I was with you all along. So you're right that people like Joe Biden and Tony Blinken and Jake Sullivan still don't understand that what people like Jesus and Vladimir Putin and the Ayatollahs understand is military power. Military power underwrites every other source of our power. We have a lot of source of power in this country, whether it's our economic power, diplomacy, sanctions, what have you. But military power underwrites it all. And if people like Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin, and the Ayatollahs are not concerned about our military power and our president's willingness to use it, then all the other things is just so much hot air. All right, Senator, thanks very much. I think you're in the car. Be careful now. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. It's always great to be on with you. All right, be well. God bless. He's a great guy. He really is.
and I turned to him a lot, on, a lot on this defense stuff. He's not only a combat veteran, he's a very, very sharp guy, and he's been calling out China long before anybody else, as well as President Trump, long before anybody else. I'll be right back. Mark in. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. One of the squeakers we lost in the last election was a tremendous candidate by the name of Hung Chow. His family came out of Vietnam when we withdrew there. And um, he was a great soldier. Just a fantastic guy and family, his entire family. And he wrote to my wife, uh, texted her, as we become quite friendly with them, and I could see him doing even bigger things in his future. And he said, every day is Woman's Day in our house. It's a pretty good way to put it, isn't it, Mr. Producer? We don't need an international day of women. It was started in 1977 by the leftists. And by the way, no offense, where's the international day of men? Is that a problem? Not that we need it. But everything and everything people do is being uh, internationalized and honored. Just wanted to point that out. Now, a personal matter I want to raise involving Mr. Producer. Mr. Producer's sister-in-law, well, she was a victim of a tragic accident, a freak accident. Uh, While she was walking, a tree limb snapped under a high wind, and fell on her, and trapped her under it. it. Reminds me of something that happened to Governor Abbott when he was jogging years and years and years ago. Unfortunately, she's got beautiful little children, but she's now paralyzed from the waist down. And truthfully, a few weeks ago was not clear that she would make it. She'd been on a ventilator and so forth. So she's got a long way to go, and Mr. Producer asked me if, if we could help her, and I said, of course. And so we set up, what did, I, what did we set up, Mr. Producer? Uh, it's givesendgo.com slash... Givesendgo.com slash givesendgo.com slash tan butcher, T-A-N butcher. Slash tan, T-A-N butcher, slash T-A-N butcher. Um... 
If you weren't able to write it down because you're in a car, you didn't hear it, you can go to any of my social sites and it's there and you can just click on there. Any any little amount that you can, uh, you know, provide would be greatly appreciated. Uh, I know that uh, Mr. Producer's family is uh, quite upset about all this and I don't blame them because it was really quite a freak accident. You hear about these things all the time and yet... Uh, uh, Mr. Producer's family has suffered from it. It's a heavy, big tree limb that just fell on her. And uh, I guess broke her back, among other things. And so she's paralyzed from the waist down. They were afraid that she'd be paralyzed from the neck down. But right, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, it's going to take a tremendous amount of money and a lot of time. Um, so I just wanted to point that out to you as well. Larry Hogan... He not only announced, as I broke the breaking news yesterday, he's not going to run for president as a Republican. Why? Because he's really not one, and he can't win. You know, and it's too bad. His dad was a good guy. He's a good congressman. You may remember him on the Judiciary Committee when they were trying to take out Nixon. He eventually voted for impeachment, but he fought the good fight. Um, Hogan is not ruling out running third party. Now, this is the problem. You got the Hoganoids. And people like him, and they know if they run third party, uh, that they'll draw attention to themselves, and they'll also ensure that whoever the Democrat is will win re-election. So these are not serious Republicans. These are not. These are these are saboteurs, like the Lincoln Project, like George Conway. These are saboteurs. They don't see the danger the country's in, the rising Marxism, what's happening on the border with fentanyl. They may claim they do, but they have a funny way of dealing with it. Inflation and the economy and crime. It's all about them and it's all about a power play. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Over at the Daily Mail, you've heard about Loudoun County. You've heard about the perverts and fraudsters and the rest that run the school system there. Loudoun County used to be a Republican stronghold. Now it's largely a Democrat stronghold, so that explains that, certainly in part. Fairfax County used to be a Republican stronghold. Now it's overwhelmingly a Democrat stronghold. It is a huge county in the state of Virginia. It's got over one million residents. The state's not New York, it's Virginia. So that's a big, big part of the population. And you know, when you watch the elections, Fairfax and these other counties in Northern Virginia, Arlington County, Alexandria, 
Loudon, they kind of come in late. Even Prince Williams now is moving to the uh, purple side, to the blue side. And uh, you see how the rest of the state, not all of it, but a lot of it is Republican. And then this Northern Virginia comes in and poof. And Glenn Youngkin was able to turn the tide on that, as were the others who ran with him. And that was a big deal. These counties are very wealthy. Uh, the vast majority of people there, but not all, have some tie to the federal government. They either work for the federal government or contractors uh, or school teachers or what have you, uh, state government, local government. And there's constant road building. Long before the phony infrastructure bill, which is really a climate change bill, constant widening roads, building overpasses, underpasses, acquiring more and more property to build more and more fields and, you know, baseball vans, so forth and so on. And there's also one other industry, and that's the high tech industry, as we used to call it, because where the government is, they are. And 80% of all the Internet traffic in the United States goes through Loudoun County, Virginia. You can see these buildings, so-called cloud buildings. They're windowless. They're massive. They're half a football field or a football field long. Looks like they're running out of places to build them, but they're heavily concentrated in one area. Smart, don't you think, for the enemy? But the school systems, which used to be among the best, are dying. The school systems have embraced aggressively and vigorously and even excitedly critical race theory, the sexualizing of children, and equity, that is racism. Racism. And the governor, the attorney general, they're trying to do what they can about it. But there's so much of it, you have to play catch up all the time. Because that's the nature of the left devouring the culture from within, bottom up, middle out, as Dimwit likes to say. Here's the Daily Mail. Will they ever learn? Schools, school that's part of notoriously woke Virginia district, bans white and Asian students from college prep program, despite sister school facing attorney general probe for withholding merit awards to boost equity. Fairfax County Public Schools, one of the largest school divisions in the United States, with 198 schools and centers serving 181,000 students. Last month, parents of 8th graders at Cooper Middle School in McLean, they were sent a letter advising them of a college prep course. The letter said the classes were only for black or Hispanic students, white and Asian students were not entitled to attend. The racism is brazen and blatant. The school district is under fire once again for its equality programs, meaning equity. And uh, let's see here. Has since the beginning of this year been under investigation by the state attorney general for withholding merit awards from students at Thomas Jefferson High School. By the way, if there were a Democrat governor, attorney general, <laughs> and lieutenant governor, none of this would be an issue. None of this. 
In other words, they would they would be all for it. This Thomas Jefferson High School, one of the great high schools in the country, withholding merit awards. You remember that? TJ's, Thomas Jefferson's, as locals call it, is the United States' top performing public school. Number one. And woke teachers there claim they held back the awards to boost equity. Because there were too many whites, Asians, and I might add Jews in that school. And now another school in the district, Cooper Middle School in McLean, Virginia, sent a letter to parents which critics said was also discriminatory. The school said the website was not discriminatory because it stated that a typical CPP student was black or Hispanic, but did not forbid white or Asians to attend. On January 21, parents of 8th grade students were asked whether their children were considering college and could benefit from college preparation classes. The letter said lessons were only available to black and Hispanic students, as well as those with disabilities, language barriers, economic disadvantages, or those who were the first in their family to apply. And I'm looking at the message that went out, and that's exactly what it says. Those are the conditions. Journalist Asra Nomani, who obtained the letter, tweeted in the 20th century, Asian Exclusion Act denied Asians equal opportunities. Now the Fairfax County Public School System News promotes a college prep program with race-based admissions, excluding Asians and whites. You know, we're talking about children. Opportunities for children. But how Asians and whites who are children need not apply? Joe Biden has signed executive orders with directive after directive after directive contained within them. Bigoted, racist executive orders specifically discriminating against whites. But that's okay. Because under equity, equity is not about equality, as I've said here, what, four billion times? Equity is about evening the score or resegregating or equal outcomes. Remember, equity is equality without freedom. Now, a judge already ruled that the Fairfax County public school system violated U.S. Constitution and a new anti-Asian admissions. Nomani noted that the benefits of the program were substantial. Those attending were given academic counseling, access to colleges, to experience their teachers, uh, experience their teaching, and advice on compelling college and scholarship applications, completing them. One father, Glenn Miller, an attorney, told Fairfax Time the scheme was problematic. Of course, it's more than problematic, it's racist. There are 17,760 black students in Fairfax County Public Schools. That's 10% of the total student body. Hispanics make up 28% with over 51,000. The school district's anti-discrimination policy states no applicant or employee on the basis of race, sex, color, age, religion, sexual orientation, gender identity, national origin, on and on and on. Uh, is to be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity is required by law. T.J. or Thomas Jefferson in Fairfax County 
was forced into a humiliating apology over its withholding of merit awards. But they damaged those kids nonetheless. Virginia's governor, Glenn Youngkin, was sufficiently outraged by the incident to launch a formal probe by state lawyers. Criminal charges against the school could follow. Another Virginia school board, Loudoun County, sparked national outrage with its transgender bathroom policies after a boy in a skirt molested two girls. He raped them. Equity is the current woke buzzword. Now, there's more news, believe it or not, out of Loudoun County. You say, well, I don't live in Loudoun. I know, but this is happening everywhere now. Everywhere, everywhere. Except Florida and a couple other states where you have governors who are standing up to this stuff. And where Youngkin's trying to stand up to it, the problem is he doesn't control the state Senate. The Democrats have it by, I think it's one or two votes. But the problem here is, is immense. And what happened today is, or yesterday I guess, the school board in Loudoun County met and they voted six to three not to release an independent grand jury's investigation of those rapes that occurred in Loudoun County. They voted not to release it. Six to three. Paid for by the taxpayers, relevant to the people. The people are the final say. The people hire the school board. They voted against releasing it. Because that's what Democrats do. It's just like the Democrats on Capitol Hill and their media. They don't want any of these tapes released on January 6th except those that they spoon-feed you, edit, carefully crop, all the rest of it. But they're not just the Democrats, you have the McConnelloids and their hemorrhoids. Media Matters said I accused Mitch McConnell of creating this situation on January 6th. You see that, Mr. Producer? Pretty amazing, isn't it? Certainly was part of it. I don't know what he did. But I continue to post things about Media Matters so you can know what the head of the organization is like, his bigotry and his racism in the past, of course, and that this organization exists. It exists like in many totalitarian regimes to spread the word of the big lie. Media Matters is Gobelesque. Gobelesque simply is with its headlines and its word that's why even the rest of the media don't use media matters anymore even some of the worst editors say where'd you get that from well the media matter what are you doing the only group that takes stuff from media matters now is this mediocreite site the dan abrams site but he's the jerry springer of uh, of news and politics i'll be right back Mark Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, 
using AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank all of my colleagues in radio and TV land. For acknowledging that Nicholas Wade really broke the story on the lab leak of the coronavirus. He wasn't shooting from the hip. He looked at all the research. He looked at the grant proposals that were funded. He looked at the letters that went out under the signature of some of these so-called expert virologists. He came on my show, which was very brave, given his background, 30 years, writing for the New York Times and so forth. Two years ago, he came on my show again, just the other day, and they give him no credit whatsoever. It's as if he doesn't exist. This is one of my beefs with conservatives in broadcasting. It's one of my biggest beefs. You will hear me wherever I can to give credit to a publication, to an author, If I miss it, it is the exception to the rule, and it is a mistake. But why is that? It's so bizarre. It's why my books have hundreds of endnotes in them. It's what you do. It's ethical. It's proper. People don't have to prove how smart they are and say things that they don't know independently. That's not what talk radio is necessarily about. Nicholas Wade was a writer about scientific and medical matters at Nature, at Scientific Magazine, for the New York Times. He's written several books. He wrote a piece, I think it was May 5th, 2021. It caught my attention. I shared it with you here. It was in some uh, very uh, poorly known, unknown to us, scholarly publication. I read part of it to you. I brought him on the program. I brought him on the program again Uh, last Sunday and he testified today in Congress and he revealed for the first time to my knowledge that the Department of Defense had also been asked to fund this grant had turned it down but therefore they thereby they had knowledge of it it's the first time I heard that and so somebody on TV or radio brings these things up give the man his due because God knows he takes a lot of crap And here he is testifying in front of the great James Comer's oversight committee. Cut one, go. One of the prevailing themes of the pandemic has been scientists' use of the media to downplay the lab leak theory. Mr. Wade, in your career, you worked at Nature Magazine, Science Magazine, and the New York Times. Would you agree that the scientific establishment used the media to downplay the lab leak theory? Uh, That's a complicated issue, Mr. Uh, uh, Comer. I think the media uh, was used. It was used in this uh, particular campaign to establish the natural origin um, theory. Um, uh, The the scientific community uh, is 
is very afraid to speak up on political issues. And I think the reason is that um, the government grants are handed out through this system of peer Mm-hmm. Uh, peer review committees, right. and so you don't want you don't want any single scientist on your peer review committee to vote against you. Uh, therefore, because you'll do, you won't get your grant, it's so competitive. So therefore, scientists are, are very reluctant to get it, to say anything that is politically divisive or might turn other scientists off against them. This this means that they cannot be relied upon in the way that I think we would like them to to be independent and forthright and call it as they see it. See how corrupt it is? See how corrupt the media are? See how corrupt the quote-unquote scientific community can be? And this is what we had to deal with. This is what we had to deal with. This guy has never gotten any airtime or any attention from Mediocreite or Media Matters or any of these organizations. They act like... He doesn't exist, but he does exist, and he is an expert. The former head of the CDC, that's a big deal. Robert Redfield, he was cut out of the process by Fauci and the gang because he felt that the the most likely answer to where this coronavirus came from was the Wuhan lab. Now, why was official Washington, why were the the scientific and medical fascists on high. Why were they so obsessed with this? Because they funded it. That's why. They funded it. And they don't want people to ask questions about how our scientific and medical community in Washington, D.C. operates. You know, most of us have just assumed that all these organizations were on the up and up, that they were filled with, you know, nerdy types in white coats, lab technicians, and on and on and on, but it's simply not true. And the Democrats will protect Fauci to the end because it it reinforces their view of centralized government and centralized decision-making and centralized knowledge. I'll be right back. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. In a world of pathetic liberal potholes, he's a truck full of hot constitutional asphalt. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. You know, this is the uh, fastest three hours in radio. It just is. It is for me. I hope it is for you. You can tell, I think, how much I enjoy doing this. It's my favorite platform. 
more than TV, more than anything else. And I guess that's why it was the first platform I was involved in, radio. House Republicans say they plan to visit January 6th defendants in jail. Now, this apparently is very controversial with the media. Because the people in D.C. jails are supposedly the lowest of the low who wanted to overthrow the government. These are horrendous, horrific people. No, they're not. Many of them are wonderful people who got caught up in things. Who came to Washington, D.C., and did peacefully protest. I'm not talking about the rioters, the people who were violent. I'm talking about the people who were on the lawn and on the Capitol. I'm talking about the people who were waved in by the Capitol Police and spent some time in the Capitol and left. They shouldn't be prosecuted for anything. For anything. It's not like they, they sign a form under the penalty of perjury with the Internal Revenue Service that they're a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization which is what Media Matters does. Seems to me that's a problem somebody ought to look into. But that said, Republicans on the House Oversight Committee said today they're planning a visit with some defendants who are being held in connection with the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, writes ABC News. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer of Kentucky and Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who also sits on the panel, told ABC News the committee's planning to send a letter this week to lawmakers regarding the planned visit to the Washington, D.C. detention facility. Now, I want you to think about something. If the Democrats were in control, those people could rot and go to hell in there and they wouldn't care. I mean, they're not Antifa and Black Lives Matter, you know, so. They're not part of the Southern Poverty Law Center. They had one of their lawyers charged, I guess, with domestic terrorism. Green said the visit would focus on the conditions of those jailed over January 6th, including what she claimed to be reports of abuse. She doesn't need to claim it. It's true. People have asserted that they've been abused. They're pre-trial, and they haven't even been convicted, and they're not allowed to see their families. Many times are not allowed to see their attorneys. The food has been a major complaint, she said. There's been complaints of it tasting like cleaner. The vast majority of defendants charged in connection with January 6th, says ABC, have not been ordered to be detained pending trial, but in the several dozen cases where individuals have been held, a judge has determined there's no combination of conditions that could be placed on them to ensure that they either won't pose a danger to the general public or risk obstructing justice in their case. Right. I, uh, we have a lot of problem with the lawyers in the Washington, D.C. district. They're incredibly political. As of today, approximately two dozen defendants charged in the Capitol breach are being held in pretrial detention, said a spokes idiot for the U.S. Attorney's Office. Almost all those detainees are charged with assault of conduct and none are charged with misdemeanor. Really? And have you done that with your garden variety criminals out there who beat people? No, you don't. No, you don't. In late 2021, the U.S. Marshals Service conducted an inspection of the D.C. jail's central detention facility, separate facility from where the January 6th defendants had been detained, and said they would relocate roughly 400 inmates to a separate jail in Pennsylvania after finding the conditions there did not meet minimum federal standards. The D.C. jails are known as hellholes. 
with cockroaches and rats, damp rooms. That's what they're known as. And when you consider how these people have been talked about in the media and on Capitol Hill over the years, you can imagine how they're being treated in these jails. I had a person come up to me, I'm not going to say where, but a person did come up to me unexpectedly. Well, I'll say it. Uh, at CPAC, outside of the hotel. And he said to me, I'm one of the defendants from January 6th. And he said, please look into this situation. I'm being railroaded. I'm being told if I don't plead guilty to some offense that I could go to prison for 20 years. Please bring this up to your audience, and I am right now, and that's why I'm reading this article. Many of these people are just like you. They're not Klansmen. They're not neo-Nazis. Many of them are like you. Many of them were not violent. As I say, many of them were ushered in by the police. Capitol Police. Many of them never went in. They've been on the steps. They're being tracked down. People are watching the video. You have a group of radical left citizens out there trying to figure out who's who, and then they work with the FBI to help identify them. And that's what's happening. Were there really a thousand violent people inside the Capitol building that day? A thousand of them? We're going to try to see what it looks like. That's part of that oversight, what the oversight committee does with everything pertaining to the federal government. So we have some members that are going to hopefully tour the prison, Comer told reporters. Now listen to how they go on. The news comes as House Speaker Kevin McCarthy faces bipartisan backlash over exclusively sharing security footage from January 6th with the Fox News, Tucker Carlson. You know what, America... The level of, of tyranny that now exists in this country is really remarkable. It came slowly, but it's here. And so with people languishing in a jail, and ABC News doesn't give a damn. They've never sent a reporter there to interview a single one of them. They can check the conditions for themselves. They don't have to wait for the Republicans. Then they drag in this issue with the tapes given to Tucker Carlson by McCarthy, like that's some terrible, terrible event. When you have this government leaking about classified information to NBC, leaking to CNN, leaking to the New York Times and the Washington Post, that's all okay. And here, when a Republican speaker openly, publicly, says, I'm giving the tapes to Carlson's crowd, and he does that, he comes under attack, and by guys like Mitch McConnell, who've spent the vast majority of their adult lives in Washington, D.C., because McConnell's a leaker, because he works with the media to try and rip his own people if they don't fall on the line. You don't see a lot of bad articles in the New York Times about McConnell, do you, Mr. Producer? No. You don't see a lot of bad articles about McConnell in the Washington Post or Politico. Why is that? Why is that? You don't see a lot of bad articles or stories, I should say, about McConnell, 
by NBC or ABC or CBS. Why? Because they protect him. Because he's a source. His people are sources. That's how you figure it out. He's the Republican leader. Why aren't they trashing him? Now, they'll take a hit at him now and then, like the communist Chinese. They don't mind if you take a shot at him now and then, but they need you to do what they want you to do. They understand that it's necessary. So McConnell knows he'll take a shot every now and then, but they're not going to work day and night to try and take him out, like they do with a Trump or a DeSantis or something like that, because he doesn't threaten them. He often goes along with them. Guy's been in leadership 30 years. He's been the longest serving leader of either party ever. Borders wide open. Economy's gone to hell. Speech is under attack. The Constitution's under attack. And yet he's credited. Look, he's just fantastic, you know, the things that he's done. Uh, Really? He should have done a hell of a lot more. Schumer gets a hell of a lot more done than when he's in the minority. It's true. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month. Cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company. And then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Robert Redfield, the former CDC director, at the hearing today in front of the Comer Committee. Cut to Mr. Producer, go. In, in one sentence, can you provide a definition of gain-of-function research? And I, and I say that because there becomes a little semantics sometimes, I believe, yeah. within the scientific community of what, what, what is a chimera and what is gain-of-function. Yeah, I think it's to take a pathogen and try to increase one of two things or both, to increase its transmissibility or its pathogenicity. I disagree with some of my colleagues at NIH to say the definition is restricted to a pathogen that's already a pathogen. If I make a non-pathogen pathogenic, that's gain of function. So in your expert opinion, was the Wuhan Institute conducting gain of function research on Absolutely. coronaviruses? Thank you. And Mr. Fauci's office helped fund it through a nonprofit organization in New York. Cut three, Mr. Producer, go. Dr. Fauci was affirmatively told in, told in an email that uh, NIAID had a monetary relationship with the Wuhan uh, Institute through uh, EcoHealth Alliance. He, he was told this in January 27th of 2020. Do you think that Dr. Fauci intentionally lied under oath to Senator Paul when he vehemently denied NIH's funding of gain-of-function research? I think there's no doubt that NIH was funding gain-of-function research. Is it likely that American tax dollars funded the gain-of-function research that created this virus? 
I think it did not only from NIH, but from the State Department, USAID, and from DOD. From DOD. Thank you, Nicholas Wade, who gets no credit for anything, except from the committee. It was very good that Chairman Comer had him testify. All you backbenchers out there, <clears throat> bone up on your ethics. All right, we've got one powerful hour left, the power hour. I shall return. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting them from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. There was a piece in the New York Times today by Thomas L. Friedman, who's racked up about 73 Pulitzer Prizes, so you know he's a reprobate. He's written not once but twice over the years, celebrating the communist Chinese government. I actually quoted him in Liberty and Tyranny in 2009. And now I'm I'm sure at some point he's reversed course. I don't read everything that the man's written because I have a life. But I want to show you how something works here. You are red-blooded Americans. Red-blooded Americans. Many of you are evangelical Christians, not all. Orthodox Jews. Or patriots, regardless. Why is it then that the American left and the American Democrat Party is so hell-bent on destroying not only our country, but the state of Israel. And I'm talking about people who write for the New York Times, like Thomas L. Friedman. Thomas L. Friedman married into great wealth. Perhaps he sold his property, but he he lives with his wife on a seven-acre estate in the suburbs of Maryland, outside of Washington, D.C. It's worth millions. Multi-millions. And so he uh, comments on all sorts of things, but he, he has this hate on for the state of Israel. Now, he and his ilk would claim, no, they support it. They don't. Israel cannot survive 
with a Palestinian terror state that has the capability to launch jets, long-range missiles, and all the rest on its towns. This is a very, very small area of the state of Israel. People have pointed out it's about the size of New Jersey. Now, Friedman, like many others at the New York Times and elsewhere, they call Judea and Samaria the West Bank. Judea and Samaria called Judea and Samaria in the Bible and in various writings by various scholars of the time, Judea and Samaria. Why would you call the place where the Jewish people were first, I don't know, recognized or presented by God himself, the West Bank of Jordan? Unless you hate the country. Became the West Bank of Jordan when West when Jordan conquered Judea and Samaria. So they have these Oslo Accords, big mistake, and they broke up the so-called West Bank into sectors, zones. I don't want to get in all the weeds, but think of A, B, C, that sort of thing. Think of A as the Jewish zone, B as sort of a nondescript area, C, Palestinian. So the Jews keep building in the A area, and they're attacked for it. They call them settlements. Do we call Native American buildings and reservations settlements? Or Native American lands settlements? Or the South Bank of Canada? Or the North Bank of Mexico? So the secularists, as my wife Julie likes to say, their faith is not their religion or their supposed religion. Their faith is their political ideology on the left. And that's Thomas Friedman. Thomas Friedman is a leftist. He gets a paycheck from a newspaper They covered up the Holocaust. And yet he's a Jew. If you're a Jew, and I ask you Gentiles this, how could you work for the New York Times? And yet he does. He does. So why am I bringing him up tonight? Because he has basically a call to arms, if you will, political arms, for American Jews. And there's a lot of American Jews who read the New York Times, unfortunately. Because many of them don't know the history of the New York Times. It has blood on its hands. And his title is American Jews, You Have to Choose Sides on Israel. I can't read the whole thing because I don't want to bore you to death. But he says, points to Rabbi Browse, a female rabbi in Los Angeles. And that tells you there are no female rabbis when it comes to the orthodox. You know, it's funny. We divided up orthodox, conservative, reform, reconstructionist. You know, 70, 80 years ago, there was only 
the Jewish faith. And it was the Orthodox Jewish faith. So like so many things in modern times, they watered down the Jewish faith, just like they watered down the Catholic faith, just like they watered down uh, uh, sort of evangelicalism and on and on and on. So she's obviously a leftist, and she's quoted in the Jewish Telegraph Agency. And she talks about the sermon she gives in which she's essentially condemning what's happening in Israel. What's happening in Israel is the conservatives won, and they're trying to bring back representative government with separation of powers. The judiciary in Israel is like no judiciary in the free world. We've talked about this. It decides military strategies. It decides who can sit in the cabinet. They have no standing requirements, so thousands and thousands of cases are brought to this Supreme Court every year. Uh, They have 15 members on this court who are picked by the court, effectively. They're picked by the Bar Association, and they're picked by members of the court and ex-members of the court. So it's incestuous. And the Knesset has really no say. And the Knesset has no way of checking the court. And so Netanyahu ran on, and as did other parties, on doing something about this because it's completely out of control. And so Friedman hates Netanyahu. He was a big... Obamaite, a big Bidenite, he's a big Democrat. And he likes all the leftists, and he believes in this two-state solution, which is the final solution for Israel if it ever happens. He says, what makes the situation even more incendiary is that the fault line on Israel, pro or anti-Netanyahu, often overlaps with the fault line between Democrats and Republicans. We know how explosive that divide is. The really, the really, though, is that the interests, the reality, though, is that the interests of American Jews in Israel have been diverging for many years. But it's been papered over up until the early 2000s as Israel was focused on absorbing Jews from Russia and Ethiopia with the help of American Jewry, pursuing the Oslo peace process with the help of American presidents, and launching startups with the help of American investors. The interests between the two communities seem to be generally aligned. But roughly since 2009, Netanyahu, who is currently leading his sixth government as prime minister, has increasingly partnered with more and more ultra-nationalist and ultra-religious parties and has, be- has come to embrace the Trumpist playbook. Okay, l- let, me, let me stop there. Netanyahu has been elected prime minister a long time, long before Donald Trump ever thought about running for president, number one. Number two, he dare not attack Menachem Begum. Because Menachem Begin was really the first solidly conservative prime minister of Israel. And if you understand, I'm telling you all this for a reason, even if you're not Jewish or Israeli. If you understand the history there, the nation was, or the government, was created by the European socialists. The Jewish European socialists. And finally, the quote-unquote, the riffraff, the population began to rise up. And the European socialists thought they would never lose. It was just a matter of how far left and how socialist you were. And then Menachem Begin comes in and he, he topples the apple cart, knocks it over. Now we have this party Likud, and we have other conservative parties and religious parties. And I don't mean fundamentalists like in Tehran, Orthodox Jews and so forth and so on, and different types of 
practicing Jews, and they get to participate now. So the old, the old European secular Jews, socialists who founded that government, they want to control it no matter what. So they took over the judiciary and they changed the balance, about 1994, give or take. And of course, you have the same element in this country. You have the Thomas Friedmans, you have the Reformed Jewish movement, the conservative Jewish movement, which are in many ways secularists. They, they don't really practice the faith. They dip their toe in the water. You know, it's the high holidays, so they go to the high holiday services. You know this in the many of your own faiths. Always they want the sugar cookie and the grape juice. Hey, where's the sugar cookie and the grape juice? Now, I don't speak Hebrew, but I was once with a Reform Jewish rabbi who could barely speak Hebrew. They're supposed to speak Hebrew. They're supposed to read from the Torah. And I stopped going to these Reform synagogues when they kept giving me lectures about society, and they kept siding with the Democrats and so forth. And that was it for me. I said, you know what? I'm going to pray to God. I believe in God. I'm a Jew. I'm an American Jew. I have my faith. And I'm not going through that bureaucracy. I don't need to. I don't need lectures. I'm not here to listen to more liberals. That's what Netanyahu's facing in this country. That's what he's facing at the New York Times. To be getting a lecture from Thomas Friedman, who propped up this communist regime in China. To be getting a lecture from Thomas Friedman, who takes a paycheck for decades. From a newspaper that covered up the Holocaust is really something. But it didn't start in 2009. That's not when it started. A dear friend of mine is the former ambassador to the United States from Israel. His name is Ron Dermy. You may have heard of him, and he's in the current government. And he was born in America, in the Miami area. His father was a mayor down there. And his brother, David, great guy, he was a mayor, both Democrats, but old-time Democrats, if you know what I mean, real moderate Democrats, like Scoop Jackson or something like that, now certainly more of a Republican. His father passed away when he was fairly young of a heart attack. He told me, the left began to turn on Israel, and even the secularists when it became clear that Israel could defend itself. When it became clear that Israel could field a first-class military. Then all of a sudden, they moved from condemning Israel's enemies, including the PLO and so forth, to condemning Israel, much like they do the United States. The United States, we're the imperialists, we're the colonialists, we're the aggressors, we're the provocateurs. Hence Thomas Friedman's affinity, certainly in the past, for communist China. But it's the same thing over there now. Israel's the aggressor, the imperialist, the colonialist, and so forth and so on. Needs to have a two-state solution. It needs to, it already does in Gaza, which is a disaster can't defend itself. It's not allowed to. It's not fair when its cities are being hit by terrorist missiles built by the Iranians. It's not fair that they fight back. 
certainly not fair that they win. That's when it changed. Changed in the 1970s, not with Netanyahu. But Netanyahu is an extremely strong leader. He will not allow the Iranians to harm his people. Barack Obama went after Netanyahu and that government, funded the opposition through NGOs. Barack Obama, as I've said many times, in my view, is and was an anti-Semite, and he hung around with anti-Semites, including Khalidi and others. And he put them in his administration. I don't care if he had Jews in his administration. That, that doesn't change anything. It's the most hostile president in the history of the state of Israel, except now this one, Biden. So what Friedman is doing is he takes to the pages of the New York Times to try and rally liberals. Says it right here in the title. American Jews, you have to choose size on Israel. And he's saying, I want you Jews to choose the radical left. And I want you to oppose Netanyahu. And he goes on to make their case. Last Saturday, an estimate 250,000 Israelis took to the street from across the political spectrum, demanding a halt to Netanyahu's attempt to destroy the independence of Israel's judiciary. It's not what happened. This has all been formulated by the opposition parties, by the radical left, by our own State Department and NGOs. The same elements in our own country that seek to overthrow it. 250,000 Israelis, that's okay. But multi-millions voted for Netanyahu and the other parties. And the other parties. And they have organizations in our country that are teaching them. They need to have letters from retired Air Force generals. So they get the letters. Letters from retired judges. So they get the letters. But there have been other letters. By hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, legal professors who have said the opposite in Israel. About a thousand of them. But... Hundreds of professors in our country have written letters. And I say to my, why is it any of the left's business in this country to be trying to overthrow the elected government in Israel? I think to myself, well, Marxism knows no bounds, does it? It is an international ideology, isn't it? They do push for global government, don't they? They do hate our constitution, our own sovereignty, don't they? I think that defines Thomas Friedman and his ilk. Disgusting. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Yes, back in February 23, 2020, I don't know why they haven't been sued by the uh, various uh, voting machine companies. Headline, reliability of pricing new voting machines questioned, and they specifically raised questions about 
quote-unquote industry leaders, election systems, and software, and Dominion voting systems. I want to give a hat tip to Media Matters. They reminded me and brought this to my attention again. That's PBS.org from a couple of years back, February 23, 2020. Uh, they have not been sued. NBC had a similar story. They have not been sued. Uh, numerous Democrats, including uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Wyden from uh, Oregon. Uh, what's the dingbat's name from uh, Minnesota? They all brought it up, too. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. And we're going to inform USA Today, Candy Woodall. Hi, Candy. Um... There is no great divide among Republicans about the release of the January 6th tapes. There's Mitch McConnell and a few hacks, and then all the rest of us. So uh, don't play these games. You're too stupid to know who we are and what we think. There's no great divide. Mitch McConnell is really out there on his own. And same with that uh, funeral parade he brings with him every time he gets in front of a microphone. And the guy has no influence on it. He talks in front of oh, Everybody's turned on. Like, oh, my God. What is, is this having a stroke? What is with this guy? Uh, yeah. All right. You've heard of Ticketmaster, right? All the, all the hubbub over the Taylor Swift fans, and they couldn't get... The tickets they wanted, they couldn't buy the concert ticket. Remember all that? It was a big issue. Big issue. Remember all the senators getting involved and they were upset? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we got to look into this. We, we can, maybe there's an antitrust. Remember all that stuff? Well, um, over at the, uh, where is it? The Free Beacon. Lawmakers' mamas, Ticketmaster, doles out tickets for Farrakhan hate rally. Oh, do tell us, Alana Goodman. The ticketing giant, hated by Taylor Swift fans and everyone else who's ever tried to buy a concert ticket, well, they're now under fire for selling tickets to a Louis Farrakhan event in which the minister in the past has defended Adolf Hitler and predicted another holocaust. But many of Ticketmaster's biggest critics on Capitol Hill don't care. No. I've been waiting for Thomas L. Friedman to write a piece on this. We need to take a stand. Ticketmaster, which charges service fees on each ticket it sells, raked in money selling tickets to Farrakhan's annual Survivor's Day conference in Chicago last weekend. During a speech at the event, Farrakhan assailed the stranglehold that Jews have on this government. And claim Jewish power is what is all of our people of knowledge and wisdom and talent afraid. The event was met with crickets on Capitol Hill with <clears throat> almost no one in Congress speaking out against Ticketmaster for making money off the Farrakhan event. That's in stark contrast to lawmakers' response when Ticketmaster bungled sales last year to Taylor Swift's concert tour. Oh, yes. Daily reminder that 
Ticketmaster is a monopoly. Its merger with Live Nation should never have been approved, and they need to be reined in, wrote Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in response to the Taylor Swift matter. In a Twitter post in November, Senators Richard Blumenthal, (laughs) the best line Trump has, Danang Dick, and Amy Klobuchar. Oh, yes, she was the moron I was talking about earlier. She raised serious questions about the Dominion machines, and she has not been sued. Called on the Department of Justice to investigate. None of their offices responded to a request for a comment on Ticketmaster's Farrakhan sales. Only Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican Tennessee, who also spoke out about the Taylor Swift debacle, weighed in on the Farrakhan controversy. She said it's extremely concerning that Ticketmaster is choosing to use its platform to elevate and promote a well-known anti-Semite. Representative Kathy McMorris Rogers, Republican, also sent a comment about this uh, after the story was published. Anti-Semitism has no place in America. Ticketmaster should be completely transparent. Why chose to profit off Farrakhan's abhorrent history and so forth? Entertainment industry leaders and Jewish groups had used Urge Ticketmaster to drop the Farrakhan event. And, of course, he didn't. Um, You broke into the fashion industry that's controlled by the Jews, Farrakhan said. Don't be mad with them. They're in every avenue that leads to power. Somebody has to take on the synagogue of Satan. And here we are, he said. We cannot let them take the country. He criticized Jews who use phrases like never again when discussing the Holocaust. You can say that to men, but you can't say that to God because the Bible says, Behold, the day cometh that shall burn as a what? As an oven. And those who do wickedly, he will slay them. God is not unjust. When he kills you, you know you deserved it. He also defended the Nazis by citing an argument he supposedly heard from a Jewish rabbi on TV. Usury is what has made the Jews strong. I heard a Jewish rabbi maybe about six weeks ago. He came on television talking about Adolf Hitler, and he said Hitler was right. Said Hitler went against usury, and Hitler attacked pornography that the Jews had put on the Germans. Farrakhan and his group, the Nation of Islam, promote numerous conspiracy theories about you. Remember that photo with Obama and Farrakhan? Remember that? Remember how much heat Obama took? He took none. Remember Obama's buddy Khalidi? Professor Khalidi? Remember how much heat he took? None. None. Because Trump, you see, is the anti-Semite. The guy that that the Israelis think is the greatest president they've ever seen. That's right. Obama, oh. Did they focus on that photo? Was mediocre right around? I think they were. How about Media Matters? Did they ever jump into that one? I doubt it. No. It was a Republican conspiracy, they would say. A Fox News conspiracy. Yes. So uh, it was all fun and and the partying over there at the uh, at the Farrakhan event, and uh, nobody raised questions about Ticketmaster. 
Now, I wouldn't raise questions about Ticketmaster, but if you're going to raise questions about the Teller Smith situation, it seems to me that it's rational, minimum, to raise questions about that. Just a thought. Now, now we go to another pregnancy center attack. Oh, it's another day. It's another attack on a pregnancy center. And the Department of Justice? Nobody's heard from them. You know, they put out statements all the time, the Department of Injustice, about uh, the various things that, uh, that they're prosecuting. And uh, this is in the daily... Uh, a lot of dailies. Daily Signal. It's unlikely the FBI DOJ will do anything about this violent attack. On Saturday, March 4, a pregnancy center in Minneapolis was left with broken windows and harsh threats graffitied on its walls. The attack happened shortly after a pro-abortion event in the air was likely done by the group called Jane's Revenge, the Daily Signal reported. As reported, seven windows of the first care center were broken. Additionally, the words, if abortions aren't safe, neither are you, and Lane was here, were written on the building walls. Who they're really hurting is our clients who are hurting. Single moms who are living in poverty and who need support. They're trying to take away practical, caring, holistic support from families in need, said uh, one of the individuals associated with the center. Uh, pregnancy centers are regularly named, called as fake clinics, but realistically the goal of a pregnancy center is to educate mothers and support them while dealing with their pregnancies. Most pregnancy centers don't offer abortions and don't advertise abortions either nor do they call themselves clinics. Regardless, they're still being attacked and vandalized, and the FBI and the DOJ could care less. Actually, couldn't care less. They didn't respond to requests for comment from the Daily Signal, and it's unlikely they ever will. Was it done at night? Because I remember specifically Meritless Garland, the Attorney General of the United States, saying... They've only prosecuted two individuals related to these cases because it happens at night. I have an idea, Mr. Producer. Let's get the FBI flashlights. That way at night they can see perpetrators. What do you think, America? Good idea? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mr. Producer, to whom shall I speak? Mm. All right, that's all a mouthful. Who? Nella from WYRD, South Carolina. Go! Yellow. Hey, Mark. I am a 14-year-old uh, kid in high school, and I heard you talking about earlier um, the, like, the woke teachers ruining school systems. And I wanted to ask you what I could watch out for firsthand. You are a young man, correct? Yes, yes I am. If they question that you're a young man, that's a big telltale sign right there. Uh, If they start (laughs) talking about racism, uh, about oppressed and oppressor, uh, that's another telltale sign. 
if they start attacking the founders of the country, I don't mean the true history of the country, but start attacking them and trying to degrade and diminish what they've contributed to your liberties and your, and your rights, that's a third telltale sign. If they start attacking capitalism and talk about how unfair it is, there you go again. Uh, those are four biggies right there. And then I would make sure I would discuss it with your parents or your parent, depending on your home situation, so they're aware of what's taking place. If something doesn't seem right and your gut tells you it's not right, usually it's not right. Capiche? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thank you. And thank you for listening, brother. God bless you. All right. Who shall I speak to next? Do we have any irregular Americans? A.K.A. liberals. No? Okay. Who's next? Yeah. K what? K-E-L-O, John from Sioux Falls. You can tell my phone screen is dead as a doorknob. Go ahead, please. Hey, Mark. God bless you, man. Good to talk to you. Listen. You too, my friend. I'm running over them. First of all, let me apologize for rounds and tune, but anyways, let's get past that. I yeah, ran exactly. into you sometime in the 90s driving in northern Minnesota, and I heard this. I thought, my God, is that Joe Pesci? Who is this whack job on the radio? <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sitting there just going on and on and on and on and on. And the next night you were on again, I pulled over and listened to you, and I thought, oh, wow, this guy has got it going on. So... Let me just go real quick through this whole thing here. Well, and, I'm glad I'm glad South. we weren't just uh, one first date there. Thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, in <laughs> Sioux Falls, South Dakota, our, our local guy is uh, uh, Greg Belfridge. Yeah. And he's on in the early morning. He's a wonderful conservative. Yes, he is. And he, and, and, and he announced to us that you were going to be coming on our radio program. And we got you now in Sioux Falls on 1320 AM, 107.9 FM, and 105.1 That's FM. That's all? That's all. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, you've been, you. a joy, you've been a joy and a blessing ever since I ran into that whack job I thought was full jester. Oh, jester. my goodness. Well, you know what's funny? Rush, Rush listened to me early on, and you know what he said? You know who you remind me of? F. Lee. We call me F. Lee. I said, who, Brother Rush? He said, Joe Pine. Joe Pine. Joe Pine worked with my dear friend Bob Grant for a few years, and Joe Pine was a pretty tough radio host. And you know what? That's fine by me. You know, we all have our different personalities and so forth, and uh, that's pretty good. And I'll tell you what, near the end, Rush also said he really, really liked the Sunday Fox show. He thought that was uh, a killer show. About a month before he passed, he said that to me. He was, uh, I miss him so much. I miss his mentoring. I miss him on the radio. I miss him helping the country, really, just fantastic. And I want to thank you. And thank you, my friend, in South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the great KELO, John. Let's go to Rob. Belmont, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hello. Is this John? Hello. Is this John? No, this is Rob. Is this Rob? Yeah, this is Rob from the Bronx. Rob, can you prove that you're not John, please? Because John was the next one in line. 
I don't know why I'm I'm here, but I'm here. I mean, I've been waiting a long time there. Okay. Do you mind if I call you John? Uh, well, my name's Rob. I mean, why would you call me John? Because John's next in line, and I want to get you in line well, you here. Wait. I think I'll go to you. Go ahead, please. Speak to Mark. Well, Mark, here's the deal. I call because uh, one thing, I live in New York City, and New York City, as you know, is extremely left. Uh, but I'm going to point out is... So I hear. Right here, in, <laughs> you should know. You study it all around the country and a lot of things. But I'll tell you what, uh, New York is... Definitely evidence of what goes on uh, in uh, when the police don't do anything. Um, what do you mean when the police dealers, don't do anything? Their hands are tied. You've got you eliminated a cat. You, I mean, excuse me, this phony bail reform. Uh, you got liberal judges. Uh, you got a uh, mayor who talks and no action. You got a radical kook city council. The police have been beaten down. You see what the police can do under Giuliani and Bloomberg. The police are quite capable of keeping safety in the streets and protecting people. But not when you have lard asses as mayors and city councilmen and all the rest attacking them. Yeah. But basically what I was pointing out was yesterday is a perfect example. I'm out of time now. I won't. Can you call me tomorrow, Rob John? Call me tomorrow, Rob, John. I'd love to talk or John or Rob. Rob it is. Call me tomorrow. We salute our uh, police officers, firefighters, our military, emergency personnel. We salute the trucker brothers and sisters out there, as well as the freedom fighters in Taiwan and Ukraine. God bless each and every one, and we salute you, the best of the best. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Take care.